All right, so last week um, we talked about uh, our greatest need and our deepest desire. And we talked about the fact that our greatest need and our deepest desire is simply the presence of God. God's presence alone, not his gifts, not his blessings. Those are nice, but what we need and what we desperately desire is him and just being in his presence. Um, and so we, we, we talked about how God created us with this desire, and it's, it's innate in all of us. No matter what we believe across all beliefs or platforms, there is that desire um, to be in God's presence, the one who created us. Um, we also talked about how God pursues us because he wants to be with us, because he desires us. Um, and, and we desire him because he desires us, and it just goes this back and forth. It's, it's uh, a beautiful dance. Um, and so we also wrapped up with the fact that Jesus, and, and, and Jesus being the way that God has given us this gift, that in Jesus we can have his presence. Um, and and John, uh, Jesus even says in John fourteen sixteen through 17, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And that's just like, if you knew, like heard that, and heard Jesus say that, if you were one of his disciples and you heard that, I mean, your mind would have been blown. Um, and we have the presence of God at our disposal. We have access to him uh, 24-7 at our disposal. And, I mean, I, I imagine sometimes what, what, like, Moses and Aaron and all those Levitical priests uh, back in the tabernacle days would have thought if they knew what we had, if they knew that we had the presence of God living inside of us, I mean, their mind would have been blown too. They would have been like, are you kidding me? Like you have the presence of God living in you? I mean, I had to like put on all these robes and all these hats and, and I had to take five baths before and then I had to like kill a goat and spray his blood all over the place. Then I had to wear a bell and even in to, to, to go in the same room as God and not drop dead. And you have the presence of God inside of you? They would have been just mind blown, Right? And that's what we have, you guys. That is what we have in Jesus because of what he did and who he is and our faith in him. We have full access, 100% to God living inside of us and his presence being here. Yet most of us, and I I would say most of us don't uh, live as if that's the truth. We don't live as if God is dwelling inside of us, and we don't engage in this presence. And I I, I fully believe that. If we have faith in him, we have that, but often we just don't engage it. We don't experience it. And so how do we experience this? How do we engage in the presence of God that dwells in us? And a good, good friend of mine, um, who has, uh, he's a spiritual director. Uh, his name is Ronnie Smith. He's from Texas. Uh, he shared with me one time, he said, Chris, when we're talking about this, he said, Chris, you won't float there. 
You're not going to float there, meaning it's not just going to happen, okay? You have the presence of God in your life, but to engage in it and to experience it, it's not just going to happen as though, um, you know, our, our greatest desire is God, but our hearts are bent towards self. Our hearts are bent towards self-reliance, self-preservation, self-exaltation. Our hearts are bent towards self, not the presence of God. And if we just kind of let go of our lives, you guys, if we just like let go and let uh, what happens happens, we will slowly drift away from God's presence and toward ourself. And I see this happen in my life all the time. I mean, I just see, I, I, I stop kind of becoming aware and, and trying to engage in God's presence, and I, and I drift from him. And I, not, he still dwells in me, but I drift from engaging and experience his presence in us. And so if we just let go, if we just let it happen, we're going to drift towards self and away from God's presence. And so it's as if we have, we have work to do. We have something to do. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, uh, Paul tells Timothy, he says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. You guys, um, if I wanted to run a marathon, which I don't because I hate running and it shouldn't be a sport, but if I did, sorry, Kari, um, if I did, I would not be able to do it tomorrow. I guarantee you. I would puke, right, at like mile three. Um, I wouldn't be able to do it next week. I would have to train myself to do it. Even though God has given me the ability, he's given me the legs, the muscles, the lungs, everything that I need to run a marathon, he's given me, but I would not be able to do it because I would need to train in order for that to happen. And the same goes with our spiritual walk, with our practicing the presence of God. We need to train, and so there is work to do. And I caution you on this really quick before I dive more into this, that um, this can easily sound and become legalistic, okay? That there's something we need to do in our, in our, in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual life. It can easily become legalistic. And I want to say this to that, that any action in and of itself is not legalistic, any action in and of itself is not legalistic. It is our heart posture that we have towards that action that makes it legalistic. If we have a heart posture that is, if I, uh, I need to do this in order to um, be a good Christian and be in good favor with God and put another notch on my belt and do this and do that in order to, like, like I said, have favor with God somehow, it will easily and quickly become legalistic. Whether you go to church, read your Bible, pray, whatever, it'll become legalistic because that's your heart posture toward it. But if you take the same action and you have a heart posture that says, I need this because I desperately desire and need God's presence in me, it will become life to you. It will become the abundant life that Jesus talks about. The same action with that heart posture will become life to you because it's for the purpose and reason of being in God's presence, and that is our greatest need. That is our greatest desire to have. So what is this work? And this is really what I want to want to uh, hone in on tonight. Um, 
and really for application purposes, what is the work of engaging in the presence of, of God? Um, well, it's two, two things that I'm going to go over. And um, one is awareness and one is response. And I'm going to start with awareness. Awareness. Awareness is simply this. It is a listening posture of readiness. A listening posture of readiness. It's simply, uh, as, as, John, as Jesus says in John ten twenty seven. he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. They listen for me, and, they, and I know them, and they follow me when, when they listen. And the question is, uh, do you know the voice of God? Are you listening? Um, are you listening to the voice of God? Do you even know what that would sound like, what the voice of God would sound like? And how do we get to know his voice? How do we get to know the voice of God in our life? Well, it requires this, this, this position of listening, getting ourselves in a position of listening. I mean, when you ask yourself this question, this is, this is a, a question that gets me all the time, and it's, it's a hard question for me to ask myself uh, because I don't like the answer all the time. I ask myself this question, who does most of the talking in your prayer life? When you're, when you're sitting up talking with God, I'm praying, who does most of the talking? Is it a monologue? Is it a dialogue? If it's a monologue, whose monologue is it? Typically, it's mine. It's me spouting off all these things to God that I need him to hear, right? God, I need you to listen. Where are you? I need you to listen right now. But what about us? Do we need to listen to something that God has to say to us? Are we in a listening posture? Are we in a position where we can really hear his voice? And do we even know what that sounds like? And the second is, is a posture of readiness. A posture of readiness. I, I liken this to kind of the athletic posture that almost in every sport you have this athletic posture. Like if, if I were to... Uh, uh, be on the football field, and I were in in a game, and I were to be standing like this, I, I probably wouldn't do too well in that game. I'd probably get, like, pummeled and destroyed, right? Because I'm not ready for anything that's going to come at me. I'm just, like, staring up at the uh, at the grass, at the sky, whatever. But if I'm in this athletic posture, you guys know, like, this athletic posture like this, I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever's going to come at me. And, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, have this, this readiness. In, in, in a lot of people experience this spiritually in, in short-term mission trips. That they go on these short-term mission trips in this posture of, God, I'm ready for you to show up, right? I'm ready, okay? And, and he does. And people on short-term mission trips, and even long-term mission trips, they they experience amazing things and they experience God do amazing things in their lives and others' lives because they're in this posture of readiness. But I would say, you guys, we there is a need for us to have the same posture of readiness every single day of our lives. That same posture of readiness that we can take on a mission trip, we can wake up tomorrow and say, okay, God, 
I'm ready. What do you have for me? I'm ready for you to show up. I, and in fact, God, I expect you to show up. Because we should. We should expect God to show up every single day. And we should be listening and we should be ready. But you guys, like I said, you won't float there. This doesn't just happen. It takes practice. Um, Hebrews five eleven through 14, the author uh, shares this pointed passage with the, the, the hearers of this letter. And he says this, You have become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. Listen to this. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Did you catch that? Trained by constant practice. I mean, it takes constant practice and training to hear the voice of God, to know the voice of God, to listen to him, and to be ready for him. And there's, there's, there's a lot of, of, of tools out there um, <clears throat> that I've come across that are really great for um, getting us and, and, and training us in, in this listening posture of readiness. Um, and there's a, a lot of them are, they're called basically spiritual disciplines. Um, and there's spiritual disciplines that include prayer, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> and meditation and fasting and studying scripture. And, and there's a lot more. Uh, in fact, for a great resource on spiritual disciplines, I encourage you guys to check out the book, um, The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. It is one of the best books on spiritual disciplines, and uh, you should get your hands on it because it's awesome to look at spiritual disciplines. Um, in fact, Evan Hayes is going to be um, talking a little bit more about some spiritual disciplines next week uh, and how we can add more. It's kind of like adding more tools to your tool belt on uh, training yourselves in this being aware of God's presence. Um, and just one that I've come across that I wanted to share with you guys tonight, one out of many uh, that I've come across uh, that has helped me become more aware of him, be in a listening posture and a posture of readiness uh, to God's presence is, is what's called centering prayer. And it's, uh, it's something that's practiced by uh, the Benedictine monks. Um, it's been practiced for uh, hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, but simply it's this, it's where you just, um, you get yourself in a, in a silent place and you take a little bit of time every day. Um, and literally like I would, I would do this. I'll, I'll take five minutes or 10 minutes or 20 minutes to just do this centering prayer. And I'll just be in, in a, in silence and I'll just focus. My focus is entirely on just being with Jesus it's not talking, it's not asking, it's not even saying, thank you for this, thank you for that. Jesus, it's not me talking. It's just being in the presence of Jesus. And this particular centering prayer that I call the Jesus prayer uh, really helps me a lot, is just uh, really finding a word in, or in, in the word of Jesus and just really centering in on that word and that name. Um, and there's such power in just the, saying the name of Jesus. 
And literally in this five, 10 minutes, however long I choose, I will literally just close my eyes and I will breathe in and breathe out the name of Jesus. And literally just... And it's, it, it's, it's, it seems kind of funny. It seems kind of weird, but it's centering me on, who he, on him and his presence. It's bringing me a, awareness that he is here and he is with me. And even more than that, I will even imagine myself. Um, I'm kind of just like letting you guys in on, on a little bit about me and, and, and uh, my, I don't know, secrets, I guess you could say. You could say. But uh, I imagine myself walking into a dark room and even in, in a room of a basement uh, where it's totally dark. It's just all there is is a chair, uh, two chairs and a table and a lamp over the table. And Jesus is sitting in one chair and I sit down with him. And all I do is I stare at him and say his name. And it keeps me focused. And as, because this will happen, as things come in, I, I think about what I have to do today. And I think about, um, oh, yeah, they, they told me uh, I, I need to call that guy. Or I need to, you know, I have this checklist of things I need to do. And it keeps coming into my thoughts. And I, I pretend that it's, it's being set on this table between Jesus and I. And I literally, I, I mentally just shove it to the side. And I just shove it off the table. And I focus on, I, I don't need to focus on that right now. I need to focus on your presence, you alone. And, and that's, that's my, my centering prayer. That's my uh, practice of how I practice his presence. And, who, and just him, not me talking, not even, a lot of times, not even him talking. It's just being present with him. And, um, and so this is, this is practice, and this is really becoming, um, it, it, it's, uh, practice in order to come become muscle memory because what you'll find is you, you know I'll have this time and then I'll go out in the day and throughout my day I in the busyness and the chaos of my day um, I will because I've had that time and I've practiced that I will become more aware of God's presence in the busyness of my day um, and it's just practicing and practicing similar to muscle memory of just like um, swinging a golf club or swinging a baseball bat and you just practice it and practice it and practice it and on game day, you don't even have to think about it. You just do it and it just becomes natural to you so that when you're in the day, in the chaos of everything, it naturally comes um, the awareness of God, God's presence because truthfully, you guys, if you aren't listening to the voice of God in the silence, if you aren't making that time to listen to the voice of God and get to know his voice in the silence of your day, you will not hear the voice of God in the chaos and the busyness of the day. Because you won't know it. You won't, you won't know what that sounds like. And so we have to take this time in the silence of our day to just, I mean, I'm talking five minutes, ten minutes, to just be present so that in the busyness of our day, we can know it. Um, Brother Lawrence is a, is a Franciscan monk who lived in the 17th century. He wrote a book called uh, The Practice of the Presence of God. Um, and he said this, For me, work time is no different than prayer time. Even in the noise and clatter, I still know God's presence with just as much real peace as if I were on my knees in communion. And that is, I mean, that is the goal. That 
the presence of God in our life and the, and the awareness of his presence doesn't even change when we move from prayer time to the busyness of our life. It's just, it's just, we're just doing something different physically, but his presence and our awareness of him is still there. And you guys, um, this is messy. And I just want to say that up front. This is messy and it's inconsistent and it doesn't always look great. Um, we'll make mistakes. We'll listen to the wrong voices in our life. Um, we will totally botch this up. I promise you, if you go home and you try this stuff, and you throughout this week you try this, I promise you, you will botch it up. But here's my point. Here's what I want to get across to you guys. The measure of spiritual maturity is not about how long it takes before you mess up, but it's about how long it takes for you to come back to his presence when you do mess up. Let me say it again. It's not about how long it takes before you mess up. It's about how long it takes you to come back to his presence when you do mess up. And the shorter and shorter and shorter amount of that time is, the more you're becoming of his, uh, aware of his presence and the more you're going to be engaging in his presence. And so it's messy, and we have to, but, but we have to practice. We have to become aware and be in a listening posture of readiness for him. Are you in that listening posture of readiness in your, in your days and in your life? Um, and as we practice and as we get more familiar with his voice, the second thing we do is we respond. As we become aware of his presence and hear his voice, we respond. And response is simply faith that leads to movement. Faith that leads to movement. And as we listen to God, God will lead us to do things. And sometimes those things won't make any sense whatsoever. They'll be crazy. They'll be foolish. But God will lead us to do things. And it is our job, it is our responsibility to respond. And this is obedience. This is obedience. When Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That, that's what that is. It's simply responding to the voice of God as you've been listening and be, being aware of him in your life. Um, for a good message on obedience and listening to God, um, Mike Allsteel just preached up the hill a couple weeks ago. It's still on the podcast. Go listen to it. It's awesome about obedience and listening to God in that sense. Um, but this is obedience. And the truth is that Jesus, one of the reasons, one of the reasons that Jesus came down, that God came down to us was to show us how to do this, was to show us how this is done. And if we look at Jesus, we will see him doing this. In uh, uh, one of my favorite, I've mentioned Ronnie Smith, one of my favorite other quotes from him is that Jesus didn't cheat. Uh, Jesus was fully God and fully human, but he didn't cheat when it came to this. Listen to what Jesus says in John five nineteen. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. See, Jesus listens and he responds. Whatever the Father says, Jesus does. He asks the Father, the Father speaks and he responds. 
And he's asking us to do the same thing. Nothing different. Jesus didn't cheat. We can do this. And that's all he's asking us to do. Is to become aware and be in that listening posture of readiness and to respond when we hear his voice. When he hears what we're asking him to do. You you guys, God is calling us and inviting us into a story in which he is the central character. God's inviting you into a story in which he is the central character, not us. Because honestly, our story is terrible compared to his. (laughs) Um, His story is way better than ours, but he has a part for us to play in that story. He has this epic story that he is laying out and he has a part for each of us to play in that story. And you guys, we will miss out on opportunities to play our part, to, to serve others, to love others, to be the church to others and to each other. We're gonna miss out on those opportunities to play our part if we are unable to listen and unwilling to respond to God's voice. Um, Peter, Simon Peter, the disciple, uh, he was in his boat one day and Jesus calls out to him. He says, hey Peter, uh, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And after Peter's been like fishing all night and caught nothing, he's like, oh, I didn't even think of that, right? Throw it on the other side of the boat. Okay, Jesus, right? And he says, oh, Jesus, I've been fishing all night, haven't caught anything. But then he says something very interesting. He says, but if you say so, if you say so, I will do it. And he heard Jesus' voice, and he listened, and he responded. And he throws his net on the other side of the boat. I mean, literally probably six feet away. And he catches so many fish that his nets are breaking. And now Jesus owes him nets, right? And his nets are breaking because he has so much fish. And he comes up to Jesus and he falls on his knees and he says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. I mean, I, he's basically saying, I should have no part with you. But Jesus says, Do not be afraid, Peter, for you will now be a fisher of men. You see, God is going to call us to things that don't make sense. It didn't make sense for, G- for Peter to throw his net six feet away from where he had been fishing and probably had already fished there in the first place. It didn't make sense, but he did it. God's going to call us to things that don't make sense, and he's going to call us to a life bigger than you deserve. He's going to call us out of our sin and into his story, into something way bigger. You see, Peter's story was that he was a fisherman. And God's story, Peter is a fisher of men. It's way bigger. It's way better. And it's a life beyond your wildest dreams that God is inviting you into. So as Josh and Carrie um, come up, I just want to um, close with this one question, as, as we think about our awareness and, and listening to 
the presence of God in our life. And as we think about responding, here's a question that we can ask ourselves each, every day. At the end of every day, we can ask ourselves this question. What has Jesus called you to, and have you done it? What has Jesus called you to do today, and have you done it? It's simple. Do you know his voice? Are you listening? And are you, are you responding? And we can ask ourselves that every day. And then the next day, we wake up and we become aware of his presence and we practice. We do something to practice his presence. And then we let that follow throughout our day and see where God shows up and be ready and expect him to show up. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for giving us this gift and that your spirit is with us. Uh, It's not just in this room, it's inside of us that when we walk through those doors, it leaves with us. You leave with us. And you're there every moment in the chaos, in the noise, in the hurt, in the pain, in the loneliness, in the frustration, in the anger. God, you're there. You're speaking. But many times our, our ears become dull. And help us to know your voice. Help us to hear your voice. And help us to respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.